podcast. And happy Friday, Acme Army. How we doing today? Minnesota Vikings are coming to town, and Eric and Eric are going to dive in and check out everything in the Packers sphere relating to that game. As well, we got Peter Jones from the UK talking all things Vikings. Don't miss it. Thanks for sharing us on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Spotify. Check it. Yeah, buddy. <laughs> that was a that was a perfect Friday hiccup in it. I love it, man. Happy Friday, everybody. Welcome to Week Eight. It is the Green Bay Packers versus the Minnesota Vikings. Let's get fired up, Eric. How we feeling up there in the North Woods? Oh, pretty excited. Uh, you know, it, uh, we're we're. Uh... Seemingly picking on a weakling this weekend, which is just a special feeling altogether. <laughs> we got Peter Jones coming up. It's Friday. The weekend's coming. Goodness Absolutely. gracious, couldn't feel much better. Absolutely. Yeah, Peter Jones will be coming up in the second half of the show. And what an interview. Um, the man oh. is somebody you should all be following. Check out his plugs at the end. But, Eric, let's get into what we got going on this week. We have an injury report for the Green Bay Packers that was extensive. But not too many that were going to impact the game. Let's talk about that. Well, I think, obviously, uh, one of the big ones that jumps out at you is Kevin King. Um, for sure. Against uh, against uh, Thielen Jefferson uh, thing, that stings a bit. Uh, we've got two weeks of pretty darn good play from Josh Jackson. I feel, I feel fine about that. Uh, it sounds like Bakhtiari's feeling better. Lazard. Hi. It's a, well, and, and Bakhtiari was back at practice. Don't know whether he's going to play or not, but that's always a good sign. Um, yeah, it's a good sign. We, we got a, an insider in the Acme Army, Eric, that uh, let us know. A David Bakhtiari's chest injury is actually a cracked rib. Who else has got that news out there? Uh, nobody. Yeah, yeah. Nobody. Yep. <laughs> and we got the proof. That's the kind of hard-hitting news you're, you're looking to get when you listen to the Acme Army. You know what I mean? Shout out to our insiders. Wink, wink. Um, hey, but let's move on to... The other injury that we have on our team that we haven't talked about is Tyler Irvin. His wrist, bigger injury than we thought. Is he going to play this week? I don't know. I go back to the to what what I had heard, and that's that uh, that he probably will be back this week. Um, that if it was a severe wrist injury, they being that IR is only three weeks, they would have IR'd him. Mm -hmm. So uh, I'll be uh, I'll be curious to see what happens today. Uh, in Green Bay, but uh, it sounds like we might be getting him back as well. Mm -hmm. Well, let me ask you this too: Do you feel like if David Bakhtiari has a cracked rib, do you want him to play on Sunday, or would you rather him sit out, take a couple more days? Because we have a short week. Well, here's the deal with that: uh, Packers uh, and, of course, my surgeon. Pat McKenzie uh, will make that decision. Um, I wish I could call him for information, but I can't. Did a solid job on rebuilding my shoulder. Um, here, I'm not qualified. I don't know if if if, if that can potentially uh, get much much worse. And there's a risk of that. I think after what you saw last weekend, and and with the fact that the Vikings don't have a defensive end on the roster, mm -hmm. um, I think we can go with the same offensive line we did last week, and it's seamless. They 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 are so decimated on the defensive side of the ball. I don't think you risk Bakhtiari if it's a risk. If it's not a risk, I'd put him back out there. Yeah, I just feel like we did so well last week with Turner and Wagner, the crew fighting together. Why rush him back? Uh, speaking of injuries. Um, Mason Crosby never missed a game as a Green Bay Packer, 214 consecutive games. He's on the bubble. Mm. It'd be real interesting to see, uh, is that going to be in a game like this? Is that going to be, uh, uh, anything but a chip shot's going to be go for it on fourth down kind of thing. Could be a very interesting situation without, well, you know what? I would like to see a game plan and this would be the team to do it against to say, oh, 
we're not taking the field goals. We're going on fourth down. We're not taking the extra points. We're going for two-point conversions. And they have a guy there. You have to have, and he has taken, I believe, three consecutive uh, negative COVID tests. You have to have six before you can join the roster. So we got somebody on the wing, and he'll be available if Crosby can't go. But then that's that's activating someone to the 53 and having to demote somebody. Don't know if they'll do that. Be very interesting uh, interesting decisions coming on the place kicking. And what an important position that uh, goes a little underappreciated. Man, yes, you go back to that. You go back to that 2011 say, game. <clears throat> yeah, absolutely. Let me talk over you again. This is really good for the red podcast. <laughs> <laughs> No, but 2011, the uh, in the in Minnesota, I watched the game the other day, and God darn, Crosby came in and kicked a 58-yard field goal. He has been kicking so consistent for us. Yeah, one bad year in his career. Well, the other thing with somebody who hasn't been playing is extra point uh, length. It's no longer a, a chip mm-hmm. shot. Yeah, and uh, to have somebody who hasn't played coming in for just extra points. Mm-hmm. Fortunately, I, I mean, I, I really uh, uh, don't think this Viking team uh, is is much at all. They're a shell of what they could have been. And if we march down the field uh, on them early, I think maybe you're going to see some quit coming from the purple side of the ball. I am really amazed at the injuries they have in the secondary. Okay, Mike Hughes. Eric, you remember when he was coming out of Central yep. Florida? Everybody was high on him. Were the Packers going to get him? We didn't get him. That guy is hurt every year he's been in the league. Now he's got a neck injury, and they could be putting him on IR for the season. <clears throat> Interesting. Then they got this Holton Hall. Holton Hill, he's out. Chris Jones, Cameron Dantzler. Yeah, can mentioned him, COVID. They got a new guy they just signed from the Arizona practice squad, Curtis Riley. And uh, Mark Fields, the well, second. And, 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 He's going to be making his first career start. <laughs> and uh, this is his third NFL game. Now, these guys are going to be tasked with defending. Devontae. Well, let's, let's, let's slide up towards the, uh, the middle of the field, and Anthony Barr is not there. You're going to have Kendricks, yep. but that's about it. You take Danielle Hunter, who's gone, uh, and, and they traded away, um, traded away the other defensive end. Uh, I, I just see a situation where uh, they're not going to be able to stop the run. They're going to have to. They're going to have to stay. Uh, they're not going to be doing much nickel and dime uh, because they're going to get crushed. And, and just as soon as uh, the, the run pass option is going to kill them, it's. Gonna, I'm just. I think this might be a, a, a historic Minnesota Viking Green Bay Packer game. I just don't think uh, they're bringing a knife to a gunfight. No. Granted, sometimes we say these and say things like this, yeah. and it looks like uh, it looks like nothing. It is a division rival, and it's their season. So, uh, I just think talent-wise, they couldn't stop us when they were healthy, mm-hmm. uh, and now they got nobody left. I, I, I just uh, I, I think it uh, it's it's a big game for Green Bay. Well, they do have Cook coming back. Coach said that he has been practicing all week, and they don't expect to put him on any kind of the pitch count. Interesting stats for Justin Jefferson. Six games, and three of those games have registered in the top ten in receiving grades. 302 yards in single coverage. So we're looking at Josh Jackson against him. That could be a tough day for Josh Jackson. He could, he could come back down to earth. Or he could become a superstar. Adam Thielen, here's a stat for you, Eric. Six red zone touchdowns. Kirk Cousins, his his rating in the red zone, one of the highest in the league as well. He's 127.8. So all the bashing we do on Kirk Cousins, the guy is pretty effective in the red zone. <clears throat> He's just got to get there. Yeah, we That's we been ha- his problem. Yeah, we have to control the clock though, like you said. The ability for us to score quickly could could come with a banged up secondary like that, but I think it's you know it'd be interesting to see what the game plan is because ball control keeping them off the field just as important as putting points up on the board. Yes, sir. Yeah. Can't wait. Yeah. Uh now let's talk about the Green Bay Packers. We have a couple of things that 
we wanted to talk about on the team as far as some rumors, some speculations. Seth Roberts joining the team. But we wanted to go over a couple of these things that are in the trade rumors right now. What would improve the Green Bay Packers? Because going up against the Vikings, we're going to see exactly where the big gaps are. If, if MVS does not register any more receptions and it's just the Devontae Adams show, I can see how the next progression of things could potentially happen for us. And Seth Roberts being the first one, he is he's 6'2", 200 pounds, 29 years old. What are your thoughts on Seth Roberts joining the team? Well, I think he's, he solidifies the bottom of your receiver group. Um, I, I, don't think, uh, I, don't, I don't think he's uh, likely to get uh, in between Rodgers and, and uh, Devontae Adams and Alan Lazard. Uh, could he come in and make a difference? Absolutely. Uh, Is he sure better than Darius Shepard? Yes, he's better than Darius Shepard. He probably brings more to the table right now than MVS uh, in, mm. in that he's a pass catcher. I would agree. Uh, um, uh, you know, EQ, we don't, we don't, we don't, really don't have a Q. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, dude, you're, you're, a, you're, a, you're a goddamn gem of America. <laughs> well, here's what I saw in watching Seth Roberts. And I remember him, you know, on those teams when, Derek Carr was on the national games, and Seth Roberts always made plays. Nothing consistent. But he fits a number three role spectacularly. You know, He can give you 600 yards and six, seven touchdowns. Here's what I noticed. Derek Carr throws a pretty ball, not always on target, and he adjusted really well. Body control, catches with the hands, catches over the middle. His end zone fades are fantastic. Again, he's 6'2". He's got a great stretch, and he has excellent foot awareness. So why did he not work in Carolina, Eric? No idea. No idea. If you watched a little bit of them um, yesterday. I mean, my hunch is that Curtis Samuel is the one who is obviously the roadblock because DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson, you got the draft pick and the time and, and money invested. And Curtis Samuel is just a different level of player. He can take it from the running yep. back and, and receiver. So, on, on that trade thing, another real popular uh, popular target these days is Will Fuller from from the Texans. It, it's doable. Uh, he, he's got five point four uh, left uh, on his uh, salary the rest of this year, and our cap is right at about six. So uh, it's doable. Um, uh, he's a free agent. You know the. One of the the advantages is you'd get you'd get a a one B or a two A uh, addition to your team in terms of quality at at wide receiver. He takes the top off of any defense. Um, and if it was just a rental, sort of like we did with Andre Risen, um, we would get a compensatory pick for him uh, if we couldn't resign him to a team friendly deal in an un, you know in a questionable cap year next year. So that may be, may be something uh, to look at. Mm-hmm. Well, here's what I think about Will Fuller. Since 2016, he's played in 14 games, 10 games, 7 games, and 11 games. This year, his base salary is $10,162,000. In 2019, he had 670 yards and three touchdowns. That was his career high. What do you think his salary would be next year? I have no idea. My gut tells me it's going to be in line with what Devontae is getting right now in that $15 million range because Devontae is going to be in the $22 million range, his next extension. Yeah, I I, I don't know. I, I know that he's had a touchdown in the last five consecutive games. And he's a, uh, you know, he's a guy that can adjust to the ball in the air, like we were talking about with Seth Roberts. That that's another thing that MVS mm-hmm. just can't do. Mm-hmm. If you hit him streaking open, he can catch the ball and make big plays. Mm-hmm. He, he can't adjust. He can't catch with his hands. Um, Fuller might be an interesting, uh, might be an interesting rental. Yeah, yeah. 
Well, you and I had talked earlier in the week, and we had never put it on tape. So let's do it right now. After Andy Dalton was demolished in the Cowboys game, and Dak had been out, I suggested what we need as a receiver and what the Cowboys need as a quarterback. Is it a viable thought to throw out Tim Boyle for Michael Gallup? Now, before everybody turns off this recording and says, the H you talking about, Eric, Gallup 6-1-205, third rounder out of Colorado State. Stats this year are drastically dropping since Dak's been out. But last year, he had 1,107 yards, six touchdowns. He's an unrestricted free agent in 2022, where his salary will be $920,000. Yep. If I had a checklist of everything I wanted in a receiver, Michael Gallup checks all those boxes. Yep. What that leaves us is, what do we have with Tim Boyle? And what do we have with Jordan Love, Eric? That is the dilemma. Um, <clears throat> this, this is something we should have got on, uh, on Monday. Uh, I think this sort of thing, uh, given the uh, state of the Cowboys, uh, you know, Dak gone, Dalton out. If this, something like this was going to happen, it probably would have happened by now. Um, I, I don't know if there's a reluctance on the Packers to trade Boyle. Um, because we can win games with Boyle this year if Rodgers gets hurt. Mm. Can we do that with Jordan Love? Yeah. I don't know. If we can, it's a brilliant idea. As I told mm. you at the time, that's, that's great thinking. you got a guy who can step into Mike McCarthy's offense and play this week, uh, this weekend, um, mm. if this was to have happened when we were talking on Monday. Um, they've, got that, they've got the rookie quarterback, and, and uh, Dalton will be out of the, the protocol whether it was something that um, was possible, boy, the, the Gallup has so much upside. Um, I would much rather have him than, than say, Fuller. Mm-hmm. Um, and you'd get one more controlled year and be able to negotiate with this kid yeah. uh, with the cap coming back. Yeah. Uh, that's, it's a, it was a brilliant idea of yours. I uh, tip my cap to you. It'd be a real, real solid addition to the Green Bay Packers. Yeah, agreed. Well, with that, let's move on. To our favorite part of the show, Eric. Well, before we do that, I want to just throw one more one more thing into the uh, into the mix. Um, All right. Secondary. Reading yeah. about, uh, you know, we're wondering uh, whether Jair is going to play a side or whether he's going to be locked on on Thielen or Jefferson uh, against Calvin Ridley. Against Calvin Ridley, twenty three covers, five attempts, zero completions. Against Evans and Tampa Bay, 18-1-0 completions. Against Will Fuller, who we just got done talking about, 28 targets or 28 throws, one target, zero receptions. Pitching a shutout against three of the best wide receivers in the league. Uh, it, it, we, we, are, we are now living on Jair Island. Yeah. Oh, I agree. I agree. He is what we said earlier. He's the future. And one last thing, one last thing, Um, not since the days of Jay Cutler in Chicago (laughs) has the Green Bay secondary been more primed for the interceptions we've been talking about all year. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Oh, I hope, I hope. I'd love to see it, and I'd love to see Josh Jackson with a couple on there because. mm. And I'm just introducing a new segment uh, weekly or episodes, or a one-off. But I call it, Did You Know? (laughs) All right, here's my question to you. Kamal Martin played high school football in a town named after the Minnesota Vikings secondary. Where did he play high school football? Iceland? In, in Minneapolis, hint, in Minneapolis, surrounding area. No idea. Minnesota secondary has to be Burnsville.
Oh, that's the way. That's the way. Great segment, Eric. I bring that back as often as you want. That was <laughs> oh, you got it. <laughs> All right, let's move on to predictions and wrap this segment up here. And let's get on with those predictions. What are you feeling? Well, I am straying from the norms this week. Um, yeah. But I am seeing a shellacking of the Minnesota Vikings to the tune of 38-13. I'm going to write that one down. I like that. 38-13. You're, you're really saying our defense is going to put it out. I think our defense is going to put it out. I think our offense is going to control the clock. Uh, we're going to run and pass at will. Uh, I think they're worn down by halftime. And I think we might see some white flags flying out of this team. Now, of course, lightning is going to strike me, and this is going to be, a, you know, the Vikings' best game in 10 years. But I, I just don't see, given the givens, how that's possible. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, much with you, am feeling like it's going to be a blowout. And I'm feeling like we're going to put up a lot of points, but this is the game we are going to get turnovers. It has to happen. I feel like we're hungry. But I think it's going to be a shellacking. And I'm calling it 44-21. Interesting. Yep. I like the sound of that. Well, two junk touchdowns. That's what's going to happen. Yeah, you see, I'm just taking away the junk from week one. Mm. No, no, no more giving up uh, 17 points in the fourth quarter or whatever it was. It was. Uh, uh, I think that we're, uh, we're better than that now. And they're, they're going to play a second half for the first time this year against Kenny Clark. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Bang, zoom. I, I'm really excited to see what Kamal Martin does to the body of Delvin Cook. If he's going to wrap up with both arms, something might break. If he's lucky enough to get him with <laughs> one arm on a leg, it might just be a strain on a calf or something. But Kamal Martin's going to swallow him up, and I can't wait to see that matchup. So. Yeah, looking forward to that as well. And, you know, we, I, I, getting uh, the, uh, the cart a little bit ahead of the horse because we really haven't seen that much from the kid. But when, when you saw him explode into the backfield, he's, he's a, he looks like a sure tackler. Mm. He looks like a monster. Uh, yep. It's going to be real interesting. It'd be interesting to see how much more, you know, more traditional um, uh, two inside linebacker defense we're going to be running moving forward. See how Barnes's uh, arm uh, plays out, but that's uh, that's potentially a, a huge upgrade uh, in the run D. Can't wait. Yeah. yeah. Can't wait. Yeah. Well, I couldn't agree more. I hope everybody makes it out of this game safe with that short week coming at us. Boy, staring San Francisco right in our face. But right now, let's switch on over to our excellent interview we had with Peter Jones. Thanks everybody for listening. All right, and welcome back, everybody, to the Acme Army Podcast. And we have a special guest from the U.K. We've had him on on episode 14, and he is back to give us his knowledge on the great history between the Minnesota Vikings and the Green Bay Packers. Peter Jones. Top of the morning, Peter. How you doing? Hi, guys. Good afternoon. Good morning to you guys. How are you both doing? Uh, great, great. Always a great day, Peter. Always a great day when we get somebody like Peter Jones on here. Well, thank you. It's great. It's great to be here. It's great to be here. Well, we have an exciting week ahead of us here. It is a division showdown. Now, when's the last time, Peter, we played the Vikings two times before we ever stepped on the field against the Bears? Do you remember that in history? I, I don't I don't ever remember it. I don't ever remember the two two games against the Bears coming so late in the season. Yeah, yeah. Just don't remember that at all. Just an odd scheduling year. And to top off, you know, then we come back on a short week against the 49ers. So thank you, schedule makers, on <laughs> all that greatness. But, Peter, what are your thoughts on the great rivalry between the Vikings and the Packers? Yeah, it's one of those rivalries. It goes, goes back to 61 when the Vikings came in the league. It's one of those – it's an odd rivalry because it's one that really didn't take off as a rivalry, probably to the 1990s. Mm -hmm. And, and that's because, you know, 
typically with, with great rivalries, not so much with the Bears rivalry, actually, but typically with most great rivalries, they happen when both teams are, are, are strong and both teams are doing well. And, you know, if you go back to the 60s, the majority of the 60s was the Lombardi Packers. The Vikings were a new team into the league, not doing so well. And then through the 70s, the opposite thing happened when the Vikings had those great teams with Fran Tarkenton and Chuck Foreman and the Purple People Leaders and all that. And then the 80s was the opposite way around, surprisingly. Um, I think the record in the 80s was like something like 15 to 4 in the Packers' favour, which is yeah. surprising when you think of those Packers teams of the yeah. 80s. Yeah. Um, but I guess the Vikings weren't that strong for most of the 80s. I mean, it was a Bears decade, really. Mm -hmm. And then when we got to the 90s, Holmgren era, that's really when the rivalry as such, mm -hmm. I think, really took off between the between the two teams. They were two two teams both competing for playoff berths, division titles. And, you know, there were some great players on both mm -hmm. on both teams. Well when Randall Cobb came or when Randall Cunningham came to the Vikings, yeah. uh, changed the whole dynamic of that team and and then the Culpepper era, right? And and yeah. Robert Smith and uh, yeah. they, they were great players yeah, we had to go against. Randy Moss was there and you know, it, it really was a, you know, a different Vikings team from that point, from that point forward, pretty much at the same time, the Packers got strong. And I, and I guess for the last quarter century or so, it's been probably on, on the playing field, it's probably been the Packers biggest, biggest rivalry. You know, the Bears will always be the big rivalry, but, but actually on the field, it's probably been the, the Vikings. Mm -hmm. I'd be curious to, uh, to find out if you had a, a real pull of Green Bay Packer fandom. It certainly seems to me, obviously, the Chicago Bears and the Green Bay Packers are the yeah. oldest rivalry in the NFL. However, it just seems the, the vitriol uh, has been towards the Vikings for a very long time. Always love to beat the Bears, but it just seems like with an awful lot of people, Minnesota has sort of overcome, uh, overcome uh, the Bears in terms of being the number one most hated rival of the Green Bay Packers. Um, I just was chuckling when you were talking about the, the, the history. And I remember Joe Cap, yeah. uh, who was the, the, I think the predecessor to Fran Tarkenton yeah. and I, and Fran, just missing Joe Cap, even though he was a, a very competent quarterback as well. I just remember guys like Dave Roller and others just chasing Fran Tarkenton. He had to have had, you know, five, five opportunities a game where he <laughs> held the ball for 10 seconds, just scrambling around and scrambling around and scrambling around and then finding the guy. It was so frustrating uh, as a little kid watching those. That's part of the reason why as a young kid, I always had a second team, which was the Cowboys. And I was a big Roger Staubach yeah. fan yeah. and the Drew Pearson play in Minnesota to get to the Super Bowl. <laughs> Goodness gracious. One of my uh, highlights. Yeah, absolutely. I guess Joe, Joe Cap kind of gets forgotten to a degree because Tarkenton was the original quarterback there when they came into the league in 61. And people tend to forget that he got traded to the Giants. And then, right. and then Joe Cap came in when they got to the Super Bowl, the Super Bowl four, I guess it was against the, against the Chiefs, famous Hank Stram stuff on the sideline there. Um, and then Tarkenton got traded back to the Vikings in the early, in the early seventies. Um, so yeah, Joe, Joe Cap does does forget and get forgotten. But, well, um, I'll tell you, one of the more recent um, kindlings to the to the Vikings Packers discussed uh, when I was living in Minneapolis, Brett Favre ended up playing for the Vikings and they loved to rub Brett Favre in every Packer fans face because <laughs> the history of that rivalry just got heightened to the game that was at Lambeau when Brett Favre returned now yeah. I was fortunate enough to be one of the members in Lambeau field that day and when Brett Favre came onto the field, I was sitting next to a father and son who had flown up from Texas because they had never seen Brett Favre in Lambeau. And this would be their last time as he was in a Minnesota Vikings uniform. Yeah. And the 
bass in Lambeau Field that day from the booze vibrated my chest. It was the most intense game I had been to. Now, what was your recollection, Peter, during that era? Um, I guess being being geographically distant from it, I, I guess we didn't necessarily get a get a great sense of the. I don't know what what word you want to use the vitriol almost towards mm -hmm. towards Favre. We knew it was going on, but perhaps we didn't we didn't feel it as as much um, personal betrayal almost yeah I, I think the diff i think i think the difficulty was that that you know he ended up back at a division back at a division rival and um you know lots of quarterbacks over the history of the game have ended their careers with different teams you know johnny unitas did joe montana did warren moon who was another great quarterback with the with the vikings after he was at houston um, you know, going back, almost all the great, great quarterbacks, Norm Van Brocklin, Y.A. Tittle, they all ended their careers with different teams. So for a quarterback to have played that long, Tom Brady, for a quarterback to have played that long and played for a different team really doesn't surprise me. And I know as fans, we, we kind of don't like to see it. Mm -hmm. um, but I think the fact that he ended up back at a division rival on purpose deliberately wanted to go back to a division rival, perhaps to try and rub the Packers' noses in it. I don't know. Um, that's well, how it was... felt. That's how it felt, certainly. Yeah. Um, you know, and I know that, you know, when they traded him away um, early 2008, I guess it would have been, um, you know, they were very deliberate that they wouldn't trade him to another team, another NFC team, which is why they yeah. sent him to the Jets. Um, yeah, I... It leaves a bad taste in the mouth, and I think it continues to leave a bad taste in the mouth, even though mm -hmm. it's years on and we've been through um, Brett coming back and Abney's number, Jersey retired, and all, and all and all of that thing. I think I think there will always be a little bit of a bad taste in many fans' mouths because mm -hmm. of it. Yeah. Well, it was. It's, it's sad because we mustn't ever forget how great he was in the in the 90s and what he what he did for the Packers but it's just I think it will always be there even even just a wincy bit yeah well it was clear that it was intentional he he had targeted Minnesota because of the rivalry but more importantly Brett Favre wanted to win every time he stepped on the field it's why we loved him so much and if you look at the situation in Minnesota with Robert Smith with that defense with the receivers uh, he almost got you know he yeah. almost got to the Super Bowl that's yeah. that's and part and parcel why he went to Minnesota sure yeah. it was a little bit to, to rub it in our faces but that was the clear choice running you know Brad Childress running the same offense that he knew by heart it was the perfect scenario unfortunately for us it just happened to be in Minnesota I'm over that. Never Greg Jennings, Brett Favre's always welcome back. Well, I mean, as you can see behind me on my wall, I have more Brett Favre stuff than, uh, you know, I was at the Hall of Fame when he got inducted uh, in Canton. It was a, he, he's a hero because of the way he played. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And, I, and, I, and I, I'm, a, I'm a great believer in all of these things. Mm -hmm. Move on. Yeah. You know, don't, don't ever forget um, what, what he gave mm -hmm. to, the, to that ball club that was, been down in the doldrums for a quarter of a century. Yeah. yeah. And you know, I felt the same way. I was at the at the Packers Seattle game in '99 at Lambeau Field when it was Holmgren's first game back at mm -hmm. Seattle. And there was a little bit of similar similar feeling. Um, but what I will say is there were also lots of banners from Packers fans in Lambeau Field that day, welcome home Mike and all of that kind of thing, which was yeah. which was great to see. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and I kind of feel the same way, you know, there's, there's a possibility that at some point Aaron Rodgers could end his career somewhere else. It's not beyond the realms of possibility. Peter, don't you start. <laughs> well, no, it's the likelihood, it's, you know, it, it may not happen next year. It may not, but he may want to play another five or six or seven. We don't, you know, eight years. We, we just, we just don't, we just don't know. And, and like I say, across history, most of those great quarterbacks have ended up playing with a, a different team. We just tend to forget them. You know, nobody remembers Johnny Unitas finished his career with the Chargers. You know, mm -hmm. it'll always be a Baltimore Colt. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. Even Joe Montana, much more recent history, we tend to forget that he had those years with the Chiefs at the end of his career. And it's just the way it's just the way it is. It's the way the game is. But only to be replaced by Elvis Gerbach. So, Peter, what? I'm so interested in just what is your fondest memory of the Green Bay Packers? What's the memory that has you? Because I can tell you uh, several of mine, but what is yours that just keeps you going? I mean, there's 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 so there's so many. There's 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 so many off the field memories and 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 on the field memories. I guess on the field. The game that always comes to my mind as the as the immediate one is the '96 NFC Championship game oh, against yeah. the Panthers, mm-hmm. and I think it was just the you know the great I don't know what word you want to use the excitement exhilaration that our Green Bay Packers were finally going back to the Super Bowl. Yeah. So so even though even though the Super Bowl, obviously a bigger game and everything else. For me, the big game was that NFC, NFC championship game. And, and I guess for it to be at Lambeau Field and for that to happen, you know, at that place, I just think for me, the on the field, great memories is, is, is that game. Yeah. Um, wow, you know, and there've been, you've been lots of, lots of fantastic games, but that one for me, just because of what it meant, mm-hmm. you know, um, you know, the 49ers, championship game the following year was a fantastic game to go out there and win um and even the 49ers playoff game from 95 when the packers went out there and win because that was the first time yeah if you like in that era the packers kind of got over the hump they mm-hmm. beat a good team yeah that the 49ers was 49ers in dallas were always up top there yeah right? yep. you know and they went out to san francisco in 95 as a good team but nobody expected really the packers to win that game um, but right from the start, you know, Wayne Simmons hit the fumble, Craig Newsom returning the fumble for a touchdown early in that game. And that was almost the game, I think, that got the Packers over the hump that made them believe that they could they could win the big one. But yeah, that 96 Carolina Panthers championship game, yeah. it may not have been the greatest game. You know, the Packers went behind early in that game. Brett fumbled once or twice early in that game. But, but that for me is just what it meant is the biggest one for me on the field. Awesome. Awesome. Um, off, off the field, I guess, I don't know whether, whether we've discussed this or not. I mean, I, I had the good fortune to spend a lot of time with Red Cochran, who was the Packers offensive backfield coach in the 60s under, under Vince, and um, was then a scout with the Packers from, from the 70s all the way through to the early 2000s. And I got to know Red very well. And I used to stay with Red when I went to Green Bay. So him and his wife put me up in their house. Oh, awesome. It's, you know, we just, we would sit and talk football for hours. <laughs> and he would, well, let's put it like this. He would talk and I would listen. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, the, the stuff that the stuff that he would come out with about about Vince or whoever whoever it might be was just unbelievable. So it's really unbelievably special special yeah. times for me that you just I, I know that i could never have those times again uh-huh um but you know it was really really special and oh great stories i, got, I bet from that yeah, I, 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 absolutely I, in fact <laughs> in fact the first time i was there red was telling me so many stories i had to get a, no- a notebook to write them down <laughs> so i still have that <laughs> have that notebook and um you know Thanks to Red, I got to I got to know Dan Curry a little bit. So we talked. We mentioned Dan on the previous yeah. previous yeah. podcast. So I, I went out to Dan was living out in 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 Las Vegas when when I got to know him. So I went out there to see Dan, um, and I got to know Ron Ron Kramer a little bit. So slightly biased there, but but love Ron. And <laughs> so so for me, it's as much the people that I've met, and. Um, I've just just been really, really, really fortunate. And all of the Packers fans, the Packers people, whatever that I've got to know over the years, um, or people that you just see once and never see again, but everybody's just been so friendly, so wonderful. It's it's just been, the whole thing has just been, you know, it's one of those, 
whole lifetime experiences that you just can't it's irreplaceable absolutely peter i think it's probably about time just from listening to you our podcasts and other podcasts you've been on i think it's about time maybe you sit down flip open the laptop and start writing a book I mean, that is something that is a uh, bestseller in the making right? <laughs> I've thought of, I, I've, I've, I've thought about it if 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 no more than just to get stuff written down even if it never sells any copies just to yeah. get, get get things written well, just down. imagine but, your stories you've had you know the Lombardi era stories those those are stories that are I'll, fading I'll, away I'll, right now you, you know, and those are the stories that are so great to pass on to your kids and everything else. I mean, that's just the I'll, core um, era of football. I'll dig out that notebook next next time we chat. We can yeah. we, we can go through some of those. <laughs> oh, that'd be fantastic! And, and and Packer Nation certainly is blessed to have folks like you um, who are educated in the history and and more than willing to share it. So for, for that, thank you so much. It's oh, really cool. I, I, the great the great thing for me is. So it's, so it's an obsession. So I love history anyway. I may have said this before. So the Packers history thing is an obsession. But what's great about it is, I think like any any of us, you learn something new almost every day. Mm-hmm. You know, it might be something huge that you didn't know or something that, yeah, I think I knew that, but I'd forgotten. To almost every every day, you know, whether whether I'm on Twitter or, or talking, talking to people who are just picking up a book and, Oh, yeah, I'd forgotten all about that. So yeah. I think that's the thing. It's this constant thirst for yeah. <laughs> wanting to know about stuff. Yeah. Um, it's great. The world needs people like you to be that guy. Well, it's, it's really important. It's, it's, really important. It's, it's, it's been great. One of my other best friends in, in football was a non-packer, uh, Raymond Berry, oh, the, sure. the, the Baltimore Colts um, wide, wide receiver. And um, I mean, just a unbelievably nice person and and i got to know raymond's i uh i i got hold of his address so he was living out in colorado and i this is when probably about 20 or so years ago and i got hold of his address and just wrote to him oh. and just on the off off chance whatever and he wrote this huge long letter back to me and you know, he said, he said, you ever want to chat football? Here's my phone number. So, so I picked up the telephone <laughs> and uh, spoke to his wife for about half an hour. And Raymond was out shoveling snow out in Colorado. His wife called him in and we chatted on the phone. And, you know, we had a wonderful, wonderful friendship. And what's great, what's great about that is that he would just send me stuff through the post. So every couple of months or so a book would arrive in the post and it would be Ray- Raymond Berry's past receiving book. In fact, this was one of the ones I was looking at this earlier. So this was one of the ones that Ray sent me. I don't know if you can see that complete guide for past receivers by Ray Berry. <laughs> <laughs> and inside it, I've still got the letter that he sent with that book. So there, there's the, there's the letter handwritten oh, by oh. Raymond Berry. Oh, but he would just send this stuff. And then, you know, he says in this letter, um, I think I'll send you a couple of tapes that you might enjoy. A couple of months later or so, a couple of video tapes turn up with, you know, Ray Berry's guide to running, pass receiving routes and stuff. And those kinds of things are just, That's awesome. just absolutely irre- irreplaceable. And, and so, you know, they mean more to me almost than the games themselves. Oh. You know, personal relationships and stuff yeah. that just, you know, it's, yeah. it's just been, it's been absolutely, you know, it's just been a wonderful, wonderful thing for me. And I can't, I can never thank people like Raymond enough, like Red enough, like you guys enough for having me on here. I can oh, never sweet. thank people enough because it oh, means, the, it means the absolute world to me. Wow. Well, listen, you're uh, the example of taking the initiative that, you know, so people can learn some lessons. I, really, it's the first step in anything, isn't it? Uh, it's, it's just, it's just you, you don't think it can happen, and then all of a sudden, Raymond Barry is sending you articles. And, and it's, it's, it's so funny, because I think I mentioned to you in an, in an email, I'm naturally a very shy person, very shy person. <laughs> You never know. Yeah. But, but when it comes to talking about this stuff, yeah. I, guess, I guess the old 
adrenaline starts running and the enthusiasm starts going and yeah and it's 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 cool and you know all all of those guys from certainly from that period are, are very special to me you know very special to me whichever team they whichever team they played for but yeah that's excellent. Well, Peter, before we wrap up here, what are your feelings on this Sunday's game? Yeah, it's um, so it's a game on paper that you think the Packers ought to win relatively easily, um, but you know this one and five Vikings team, they've lost two games by a point each, so they very easily could be three and three. Um, you know, they nearly beat the Seahawks, should have beaten the Seahawks a couple of weeks ago. Um, it's a team that, I don't, it's, a, it's, it's an odd team because offensively they've got a bunch of weapons. Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen, Dalvin Cook, um, Kirk Cousins. You never quite know which Kirk Cousins you're, you're, you're going to get, but... Um, Traditionally, he's actually had pretty decent games against the Packers. I think three 300-yard games he's had against against Green Bay. Um, but the the Vikings' defense is horrible. It's 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 horrible against the run and against the pass. They've also got whole bunches of bunches of injuries. Um, so I think probably they all three of the starting corners are out. I think I think Dantzler's on the COVID-19 list and. Hughes is injured and Holton Hill's injured. So it's a game that you just, I just feel like, and I, and I often say this about Packers games, but you just feel like if you can get out to an early lead on these guys and just put, and just put them away, it, it, it's going to be one of those games where I think the Packers put up 30 points, maybe 40 points and win by about 10 or 12, 14 points. Yeah. Um, yeah I kind of feel like it's, Packers jump out to a huge lead and the Vikings put up some points almost in, in garbage time. My only fear is that is the Vikings get a bit of a running game going and they just hang around and hang around and, and hang around. Yeah. And Got to control know, Delvin Cook. Yeah, ab, 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 absolutely. And I, the, guess, the best way to do that is to make them one-dimensional, di, one I guess. And, yeah. and um, you know, Jefferson's going to get his catches. Thielen's going to get his catches. But... You know, I don't know who they'll match um, Jair up on Jefferson. I expect, but I'm not. I'm not sure whether he'll take one side of the field. Perhaps I, I. I don't know. But I think that those guys will get their catches. But I think the Packers will be, providing they can get ahead and control the, the running game. I think they're going to win by ten points, fourteen points, that kind of that kind of number. I hope. Peter, I just want to throw one one number at you. I, I'm far more uh, optimistic of a little <laughs> bit bigger win this this okay. year. But you mentioned their cornerbacks. Yeah. So Gladney is the only one who's healthy. Yeah. And so far this year, uh, Gladney has allowed 23 completions on 32 attempts. The opposing quarterback uh, quarterbacks have a rating of 143.6 against the one guy they have that's healthy. Yeah. Re reminding you that 158.3 is perfect. Um, <laughs> yeah. So the one guy they have, uh, I, I'm feeling real good about it. Uh, uh, yeah, I don't no, think it's going to be, I don't think it's going to be like week one where we jump to a lead and, and they, they put up some garbage time points. I, I'm looking for a beat down. Well, I, 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 I hope you're right. Um, I just. Division game. Division division game and I just I, I just think there's a game coming at some point this season where a team stays close and for me for the Vikings I think that this is their season now you know I think they're they're, they're as good as done for the for the year but I, I think probably this is the biggest game that they've got got left this season um, so I. I hope I hope I hope you're right, and you might you might well be you might well be right. Um, we'll see. <laughs> yep. Yes, sir. All right. With that, Peter, we thank you so much for your time. Can't thank wait you. to have you on the show again, uh, real soon. I I can't thank you enough. Really, I never have left a conversation with talking to you or listening to you and learning something. 
that is uh, valuable going forward. So I appreciate you very much. Check him out at the underscore IT underscore hedgehog or on Twitter at ProFootHistory. It is Peter Jones. Thank you, everybody else, for liking and subscribing the podcast, listening to us on iTunes, Spotify, and SoundCloud. And listen, the YouTube page is up, and we have Chef Benny's clips coming up this weekend. It's going to be a good one. So listen, make sure you listen, subscribe, like. Eric, take us out. Well, first let me say uh, thank you so much again for uh, coming and spending some time with us. There's, there's very few folks um, that I've come across in life that, uh, uh, like Eric was, was talking about, that you have a conversation with or you listen to and you come away uh, informed and, and better. And uh, thank you so much, Peter, for your time. Appreciate it. Uh, it's, uh, it's really great having you on. Can't wait to see you again. Uh, everybody else, um, have a great weekend. Uh, stay safe. And of course, go pack go. That's it. We've done our duties. Job is done. Put on our chaplain. Blue note jazz. Should we do our...